Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. With the holidays just around the corner, now is the time to order holiday cards for family and friends. Only this year, why not create custom holiday photo cards quickly, easily, and affordably at simplytoimpress.com. Simplytoimpress.com is your holiday photo card headquarters with thousands of unique Christmas cards and other designs to choose from. All you do is upload your family photos, personalize the text, and you're done. Simplytoimpress.com prints your cards on your choice of premium card stock in just a few days and rushes them straight to your door. Maybe that's why the New York Times wire cutter named Simply to Impress their favorite photo card service. They even offer foil cards and hundreds of great holiday card designs for your business, too. Place your order today to save 30% and get free shipping. Just enter promo code DEAL at checkout. Save big on holiday photo cards today using promo code DEAL at simplytoimpress.com. That's simplytoimpress.com. You know, you know a thing or two about personal branding. <laughs> so, so like, I guess let's get into it. I don't want to waste yeah, like, go for it. Go your for time. Uh, so when, when did you start? Like you had to be young when you got that. Cause I was looking at, at your website when you got that first job in Bridgeport, 2014, we're similar in age. So like, how old were you? Like 15, I was a, 15 years yeah, old? I, yeah. Probably like 15 or 16, probably 16. Uh, I was in ninth grade. I lived near a minor league baseball ballpark, the Bridgeport Bluefish. It's a independent league and the Atlantic League, which has a lot of like AAA major league, former major league guys. So it is a cool league. I uh, grew up going to games there. And then you now I was just watching like you, anyone else, like on TV, like, okay, these people on ESPN and MLB Network, they can interview players. Like, I live near a ballpark. Why can't I interview players? So did a first one with a buddy of mine. His name's Luis Lopez, been a friend of mine ever since. Um, and then once I just realized, oh, this is pretty fun. Like, let me just keep doing this more and more. But I never, it, it took a couple of years to even think about it as like a career. This was, it was just for fun. Like, this is cool to just have that one-on-one conversation with a player. You can ask any questions you want and just have that time. Um, and yeah, never even thought about it for a couple of years about like any followers or anything like that. Like literally just for fun. Um, yeah, I kind of just did that for my four years in high school when I was in Connecticut uh, just traveling around the Atlantic League uh, in Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania area, and yeah, kind of just doing stuff like that, building my portfolio in the sports world. Yeah, I mean, was that always your goal to get into the sports world at a young age? Like, what was the first thing that kind of turned you on to it? 
because getting your first job at such a young age, getting to experience big things like that can like both be a massive turn on in that business. But at the same time, like by the time you're the age when you're going to school, 20, 21, 22 years old, like you have seven years worth of like experience. You've seen a lot of things and then you could get burnout, but I, I, looks like you haven't like what was the first thing that kind of caught your eye about the sports industry that said like okay this is what i want to do when i was like really young yeah that's a great question um <laughs> you know like what you're saying kind of with the experience is kind of is interesting you bring that up but like right now i'm working at nesson and this is technically i guess my first big full-time job you know out of college you know all that stuff but I feel like I've been doing this forever because in a way it's been like how many years, seven years. Some, or I only went to college for a couple of years, so like six years. So something like that. So I've been doing this for a while. So it doesn't feel too new in a sense. Um, but I guess just like, like what you say, what caught my attention was doing these one-on-one interviews. And like once I was interviewing like bigger name people, like Don Trell Wills was one of my first ever interviews. And obviously he's a big name. I'm like, this is cool. And then I'm like, people do this for a living, like people on ESPN MLB network, like why can't I do something like that? Um, I didn't know necessarily at the time in high school, what job per se I was trying to pursue. I was just, let me do something in sports media. Um, and then I went to the Dan Patrick school sports casting in Orlando, first ever a class for that. That was a new program. And that was a big deal for me to join the first class for that. And yeah, it kind of just got exposed to, the field a little bit better. You know, I always say minor league baseball was good, like exposure for me to just an intro to the sports media industry. I didn't really know what I was doing until I got to the Jan Patrick school. So they helped redefine you know, my skill set, And then like, what are actual positions that people do this uh, in the sports media world? So I credit those two years of the Dan Patrick school sports casting a lot for like my love for like, you know, broadcasting in general, interviewing, uh, whether sports and obviously you might know, but I do some stuff in entertainment as well. Right. Um, but I think this is more of a sports podcast. Um, definitely my love for sports broadcasting, and sports media. So to like backtrack on that a little bit, like what, when was the first time you kind of got your first break, like getting that first job, like when people first started trusting you, like with credentials, getting to actually talk to players or whoever was in the general realm, I guess, like when, what was like your first uh, break and who, uh, connected you to uh, Bridgeport or whoever in the Atlantic League because like again like you were in Bridgeport uh, they hosted a, what was the championship in Somerset Somerset Patriots in that league as well like who, who was the, the the connection who was the guy that got you in the, got your uh, foot in the door oh man um, I think it's, <laughs> it's like whoever the first like the first one I set up in Bridgeport was like his name like Paul Herman he was like the media person at the time yeah. and then you know, once I'm in doing interviews in that league, I do stuff with the opposing teams as well. Then I'm like, okay, I want to start going to the other stadiums around the league. And then I get references from, you know, Paul from Bridgeport to reach out to the Somerset guys like, hey, Tyler, you know, because I'm not with a media outlet. So it's really right. just in running around doing a YouTube channel. So you got to kind of, the, you know, prove yourself in a way like, okay, give these kid credentials. Then started me going to these other ballparks. And then uh, once I, Went from Connecticut, finished high school, went to Orlando. A uh, little more opportunities living in Orlando, Florida than like Monroe, Connecticut or Bridgeport area, just a really small town. Yeah. Uh, started getting MBA stuff on my own through my YouTube channel. Uh, that was a big one, probably MBA, to be honest, because that's a tough league to get. And 
to be able to get credentialed a few times just through like a YouTube channel, not with any big press, that was a big deal to me in, in this, like a big accomplishment, I think. So yeah, I guess that's the big break. It's just a snowball effect, man, over the yeah. years. And like, it's, it's everything. Once I pitched to in the sports world and entertainment world, it's like, okay, what have I done in the past? What can I sell myself? You know, what's my credibility? You just want to, they just want to know you've done this before and uh, prove that, prove that you do this. So, and right. take a professional approach. So that's, that's what I think. Like that first credential is definitely the toughest one. I know for me, like uh, yeah. there was in minor league baseball with the Charlotte Knights, AAA for the White Sox, the guy extremely nice, Tommy Viola, the VP of communications just took a chance. He's like, yeah, I mean, the fact that he's reaching out like that alone to me, like shows that like he wants it and then you have to take it and run with it, you know, like you can't screw that one up. And after you get that, like you said, the snowball effect, like eventually people start to trust you. They've seen the work you've done, the content you put out. Did you, um, did you start the YouTube channel before all of that? Or was that kind of just like a side and side project where you kind of were like, okay, I'm doing this now. I should probably do this and brand myself. Yeah. Um, okay. That's a great question. Uh, man, you're asking a question I've never been asked before. So I really appreciate that actually. Cause like I'll do a lot of these podcasts and they're kind of repetitive, um, but this is good. Um, I've had a YouTube channel for a while. Like my friends in like school, like middle school were talking about like had YouTube channels. I'm like, okay, I want to get one because all my friends have one. Was a big autograph collector when I was really young. So I just posted like autograph stuff for a while. Um, Then, like I said, ninth grade, started doing interviews. My channel was mainly just the interviews in my like baseball. It's kind of like, it's all over the place, my YouTube. But like at that time, like I was saying, did not care about followers, not care about branding, nothing like that. Uh, till I got to Orlando, was then doing a mix of both sports and entertainment because uh, I got exposed to entertainment world a little bit. And I was like, I could be involved in both worlds. So now, you know, I had a lot of sports stuff. So that obviously helped me with uh, getting the job in Nesson, which is takes up most of my time. But then I have, I focus, I'm trying to focus my YouTube channel now on just the entertainment world. It fits better for what I'm trying to do, like interviewing social media creators and YouTube. So a good place to do that. I've had more success interviewing like social media creators and actors on YouTube than I did with like sport athletes. So right now I, I've, I'm kind of happy in the position I am right now. It took a lot of work to get to this point, but right now I, I get the chance to do both and like YouTube right now is all entertainment. And, and now I'm trying to like build my brand online a little more. Like yeah. I've been doing that for the last couple of years and try to do stuff like this, try to, you know, I get press every time I do an interview, like, 17 magazine will like take some quotes that I do or Yahoo news or whoever, like try to, I don't know, just like establish myself in this field of work. I've been, oh, yeah. now. I mean, the more you get into it, the more you're going to learn and the more you're actually going to evolve over time. Do you, um, do you ever get anxious doing some of these big interviews? Cause you've interviewed a lot of big names, my man. Like is, is it like you, you go from, uh, Bridgeport to now doing all your YouTube stuff, whether it's athletes or actors, like you said, actresses, TikTokers. Um, were you ever anxious at all starting out, whether it was someone who was, you know, like the Dontrell Willis's of the world or uh, some of the names that you've gotten now? I mean, 100% when I'm starting off, yeah, it's like, it is kind of intimidating. It's like your ninth grade kid and trying to talk about like, trying to convince like Dontrell Willis, you know, to do an interview, like a big personality like that. Like it's definitely intimidating back then. Um, but right now, like I've been doing it for so long. It's not that I, I'm still like really excited to meet these people and interview oh, yeah. these people, 
So, but I know I have to take like, I don't know, I just, a professional approach with, to set these up. It's a lot of work to set these interviews up. Honestly, that's like most of the work. It's almost like the interview itself is like the easy part. The work, the process of actually getting these set up and conducting it is just a whole process in its own. And um, I don't know, like, I feel like no, whoever the person is, no matter how big they are, I'm there to do a job. I'm there to get the interview, to make it happen. So in that moment, I feel like, you know, I try to not make the moment too big. If, I guess that's the best way to say it. I really try not to. And maybe afterwards, after I get the interview, I'm like, I'm hyped, I'm excited. Like, yo, I can't believe that just happened. But when you're in the moment, you can't make the moment too big and um, try to just make it as simple as possible and just make it happen. That's the big thing. You got to make it happen. So, yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like the people that are tuning in and listening or viewing your stuff are there to listen to the guests, you know, like I feel like some people, especially those like first starting out, uh, see that they get like on screen time, on air time or whatever. And they try, like you said, try and make that moment a little too big. And at the end of the day, like to put it in plain terms, like they're not there to listen to you, you know, like nobody cares about you. Like we love what we do, but at the same time, you got to remember, like, it's simple. Like just set it up for your guest and the rest will take care of itself. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the great point. No matter how, like, even if you become an established name as an interviewer, it's always about the guest. That's why people tuning in, that's the, they want to hear them speak. They're providing the value for your interview. The guests honestly make up the interview. Uh, You know, no matter how good my question is or how bad my question is, people are going to base how good your interview is based off the answers of the guests. So I could word the questions terribly, but if I get a great response from the guests, people are going to say, Oh, that was a great interview, Tyler. That's a great interview, Jack, you know, stuff like that. So it's always about the guests and what they're providing. Yeah, man, that's a good point. I brought that up. I know. So was full sale the first school that you went to? Like, did you not, uh, was that the first college you went to? Because I know you do sports casting at Rollins too. Oh, okay. So, um, so I went to full sales. The only college I went to, it's a, you get a bachelor's degree in like two years yeah. uh, there. You go like all year round for two years. So I graduated. That's why I graduated in like two years, but I did get a bachelor's degree. Um, it's a entertainment industry type school. It's all like, they're known for making like movies and music started that sports casting program. That was brand new. The thing with Rollins, Wholesale doesn't have any like sports or anything like that. So we don't have right. any sports yeah. teams. Rollins College, which is a division two type school, they're like right down the road from us uh, at Wholesale. So we created like a partnership where students from our sports catching program could broadcast like all of Rollins games, uh, whether it's like a play-by-play guy, color, sideline, even behind the scenes stuff. Uh, so that was like the partnership with Rollins College. Uh, that I did and you know I, I don't even want to be like play-by-play guy but like it was great experience like like I was saying Full Sail really introduced me to different roles that I didn't know about or would have never tried so I really enjoyed doing the Rollins games even yeah. though that's not the direction I'm going it was fun. I, I, w- I was gonna ask like you've done so many like worn so many different hats whether it was like anchoring or play-by-play analyst interviewing reporting like that's what you're set on doing right now is uh, kind of continuing to brand your YouTube channel and kind of, uh, kind of, uh, up the ante on your interview reel. Yeah, definitely. Like interviewing is like what I love the most, like hosting, yeah. interviewing, anything with doing something with the guests. So, uh, the beauty of the situation right now, which, like I said, it took a lot of work to get this 
to get to this point, but YouTube, I can create any content I want, you know, no restrictions, nothing like that, but maybe I don't have quite the resources that I have at something like Nesson. Um, so I'm still trying to build, uh, create the opportunities right now at Nesson to do more like interview type stuff. I did a couple in the few months that I started working here, did someone like Alex Verdugo, Xander Bogarts, but my job with Ness, I do like both behind the scenes uh, stuff with them as well. So I'm trying to get more on camera opportunities with Nesson because they got the resources, they got the brand name, they're in the sports world. And there's an effort being made there on my part to get those opportunities. And then the same thing on YouTube, I don't have quite the resources, but I can, I have full creative, uh, you know, freedom and I'm doing stuff in entertainment. So that's totally different as well. They're not competing. Um, yeah. I was yeah. going to ask like in the sense of like creative freedom in that sense, like what exactly are you trying to portray when you're doing these interviews? Are you, are you trying to be like as authentic and as like real as possible? Cause like, you know, like some like big, uh, uh, networks like the ESPNs or the ABCs, you know, like they try to make it as like cookie cutter as possible. I feel like everybody kind of like notices it's that. A, it's just a different like format when you're doing yeah. TV stuff and like s- stuff that would go on like YouTube, like a social media. Right. Like we probably couldn't have this long of a conversation. Well, we couldn't on a TV oh. network. And we would have been cut off like 25 minutes ago. Yeah. And like TV, you're basing it off like whatever the news was like that day or the day of. So that's how you're like forming your like content, your questions for the day. Um, it's like a more traditional sense too. Uh, like we're talking very casually right now. I don't know you would talk this casually on like Ness and we'd be like, all right, we got Michael Lombardi coming up, NFL, and, you know, no. stuff like that. Our so, broadcast voice would just come broadcast. out. Yeah, yeah. which I, I don't mean as a bad way. Like I uh, obviously I love that type of work too. That's right. cool. Um, it's just a different format. I think there's cool parts about both. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what I see the difference, yeah. What do you like more? Because, like, I don't think a lot of people realize when they go into it, whether it's, like, broadcasting or podcasting, like, they're two completely different entities. Like, which one do you like more? I, I definitely like the social media creation. The yeah. Definitely more laid back. And, like, um, I don't know if you know this, but, like, I'm going to, like, L.A. this weekend and doing some, like, creator interviews. And I can do some, like, you know, I'm setting up on my own and we're going to these different houses and stuff. And me, I'm going to have my Sennheiser mic. My guest is going to have their Sennheiser mic. And we're just going to chat and... Uh, kind of just create some content there. And I think that's like so cool. You could just have being like a laid back environment. You'll get a lot of open answers. I yeah. think people enjoy that stuff. It'll be a cool background because these houses are all like mansions. Yeah. Know, it'll it'll make there. for a great story one day, if anything, worst case scenario. Yeah, totally. So I think that type of content is like really appealing to me. Um, but like, I do enjoy like the TV stuff. Like I don't, there's an, it's not a it's a win-win situation at the end yeah. of the day. Like I still get to do anything with media and content creation, um, but yeah, I definitely like that type of world. So, so having some experience before you went to full sale, what was your exact goal? Because, like you said, inaugural class of the Dan Patrick School of Broadcasting. What was the conversation like with your parents when you were discussing? Uh, the move there because it hadn't been done before, you know, like, yes, there was like a high risk reward, like getting to work with arguably one of the greatest sportscasters in our generation. But at the same time, like nobody really knew what the concept was going to be. Right. Like, were you kind of blind going into it or were you prepared? And was there a good layout, a good plan that they presented you? Uh, definitely. Um, 
that was a big thing. So my parents knew I kind of want to get in this field of work, like obviously doing the stuff in high school. So they were supportive. That's, you know, I very appreciate my parents. They're very supportive of this career path. Um, that was a big thing going out of high school. I'm like, what's the best school that offers some sort of sports media? Right. A lot of the schools I looked at were like sports journalism, like writing and stuff, which wasn't quite the direction I wanted to go to. Um, and then I've known about Full Sail as a school for a while, but then once I realized they were starting up that like sports casting program, I'm like, that sounds different. And, you know, do the tours and stuff. Um, kind of just learn like, okay, they're yeah. taking a very like modern approach. They're very versatile. Like the skill sets they teach you is just like the foundation of what good content is, what, a, what makes a good broadcaster. And you can apply it to any direction you want to go. I have a kid I graduated with, he's an esports broadcaster. Um, my roommate is like a news reporter out in uh, California. So like, and I have a friend that's like a studio host. So it's like whatever direction you want to go, that's what was really appealing to me. They're like studio set up and the school in general is like super high tech. Honestly, might be better than some of the sets we have at Nesson, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really cool to imagine school at Full Sail. Um, and the one thing I did have though that's a little different than any other kid there is um, I had a relationship with Dan Patrick before going to the school because He's from Connecticut, and I went to school with his daughter at a small private school. She was in my grade my whole life growing up. So wow, there was really? irony. I didn't know it was going to be his program when I went down to Full Sail when I took the tour, but they said, yeah, it's going to be called the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting. I'm like, that is so, like, ironic. So, like, it kind of – it was an easy decision. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. So, so talk about that a little bit growing up. Yeah. Did you know her well or – yeah, I know her well. Yeah, Molly. Wow. I, it's a class of like 30 kids. It's a super small private school. <laughs> through. She left uh, right before high school. Um, so, yeah, like K through eight. And Molly had been to their house before, all that stuff. So, like, yeah, I've always loved, I've known Dan a little bit, always yeah. loved his work. And, like, I seriously do love his style of format. Like, even just besides like knowing him and stuff, like, if you ever watch his interviews, like, he's awesome. Like, he has great camaraderie with his guests. His questions are simple and to the point. Like that's like, I don't know. He's a good example for what a good interviewer is. But yeah, right. laid back, knows his stuff, and it and it's easy that way to be laid back when like you have the confidence of going in. Like, okay, I know exactly what points I want to hit and know exactly what I'm talking about. Did you ever uh, hit up his studio? Living in Connecticut? No, I haven't. I've never been in the studio. It seems like, like a pretty sweet setup. They say it's like insanely small though. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, probably not the new one now. They have, they have like this whole, like, I don't know. It's just like expanded. I think they did like last oh, year like, or they're sm they did have a super small studio. It was above a subway in Milford, Connecticut. You would never know. It's like the, uh, the Dan Patrick studio, but no, I never been to the studios before. I mean, like I said, I technically, I've been to their house and his, when he first started the Dan Patrick show, he did it from like his attic at his house. So I guess I'm away, but like nothing recently. No, I haven't. So when you get to full, full sale and you, like you said, like there were so many different, which ways that some of your buddies went so many different ways that you could have went, like, what was the format when you got there? Like, what was the plan? How much did you guys jump into it early on? What exactly were the studies? Cause like you said, like full sale, it's not like an ordinary normal campus, you know? No. Like, so what was that whole experience like at first? Was it kind of a culture shock for you? 
Yeah, definitely. Because like every class is related to the sports media industry, which is awesome, but it's like brand new to all of us there. Um, So each month's like a different class that relates to sports media, like an interviewing class. You're on camera the first day you're there. First day. Um, Like there's an advanced reporting class. There's um, even like behind the scenes stuff. If you want to like go the producer route and then like towards the back half of the program, you start doing like your final assignments each month in like the studio and you do like a, you know, fully produced show, uh, like 15 minute shows and stuff, which in the sports TV world, like in Nesson, that's like absolutely nothing, but like for students, that's a, that's a lot. And you're like fully producing it and being the on-camera host and working with like the directors on how you want it, your show to look and what elements you're throwing in. So that was like, that was really cool. Um, definitely good stuff for like reels and like portfolio yeah. and stuff. And, uh, how knowledgeable were you going into that? Cause like, that's like big time conditioning for day one, not really um, knowing any like on screen type stuff. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I, I guess I didn't know exactly what I was going to be thrown into. Cause they were kind of figuring out on their own as well. Like, like I said, it was yeah. brand new for them. We we're in a way like the Guinea pigs, but I still think they did an awesome job. Like, to be honest, like, I don't know. All the people there are awesome. Like I love my time there. So I guess I didn't know what I was being thrown into, but I feel like I was able to handle like any of the new stuff they threw my way. Um, I do think having like experience, like just pursuing this field of work, helped me with like, I don't know, handling any challenges from this, uh, what the program offered. So I don't know. It was all brand new. Didn't exactly know what's happening each month, but like, I feel like I was able to adjust well. Have you stayed in touch with anybody since? Like, have they changed anything now that they've had a few years under their belt? Uh, yeah, I think they've changed, like, a couple things with, like, the certain classes because uh, I know they asked us for, like, our feedback and stuff. And I think we, like, pitched some stuff maybe towards the back half of the program where they could help with, like, um, stuff related to, like, the actual job search right afterwards. Like, maybe a, a secondary class, like, related to, like, you know, building, like, looking over your portfolio how to reach out to job seekers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I stay in touch with people like Gus Ramsey, who's the program director there. He's a former like uh, ESPN producer. Uh, stay in touch with him. Um, a lot of my teachers there and stuff like that. Talk to Dan once in a while. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I get a lot of like student uh, emails now. People that like are in the program or trying to join the program. They want to learn more. So get those a lot. Cause I made a couple of YouTube videos that are online about like showing like the behind the scenes, like a day in the life at the program and stuff, Yeah, which I made that with the intention of when kids look up to school later down the line, my videos are going to be the first thing that pops up. They're going to want to reach out to me. I answer their questions. Now, even though I haven't been in the school in like a year, they know who I am and they keep it tapped with what I'm doing. So that was kind of intentional. Um, and I like, I really like answering like student emails and stuff like that. So that is yeah, very hard on your end, dude. Yeah, it worked out that way. It's kind of worked out how, like, I anticipated. So um, hopefully they do this thing called, like, Hall of Fame Week at Full Sail, which is so awesome, and they'll bring back, like, past alumni. They wanted us to come back last, like, March, but I think it got, like, rescheduled because of COVID. Uh, I never – I don't even know what they end up doing, to be honest. I didn't participate. But hopefully later down the line I can, like, go back for the Hall of Fame Week and, like, hang out with the students and stuff. That's sweet. Did you uh, ever go – like out of your way or did they set you up with credentials for sports like in the area? Cause like, again, like you have one thing over here, but at the same time 
given your experience, like you could reach out on your own to other places and uh, pick up a game, whether it's like with the magic or, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the, the Rays, who's ever in the area, you know, uh, in full sale. So like, were you able to do stuff outside of the school realm or did they kind of set you up with everything? Um, so kind of like both, yeah. like they would like Rollins obviously through the school. So that's, that's a no brainer. NBA stuff. I set up on my own. Um, but like my teach, I did something on like the Olympic channel briefly, like working on like behind the scenes stuff, working on like different features that they were going to show on, on TV for the Olympics this year. So I don't know when they'll show them now, like different features and profiles that I worked on. And I got that gig through like a teacher that used to work at the Olympic channel. And he like, he was like, Hey, they're doing stuff in like uh, Gainesville and uh, they need like a production assistant, like I'll reference you. So like he kind of helped me get like, do some stuff with Olympic channels. So I could put that on my, my resume. So that's kind of like you know, a mix of both. I, if I didn't have that connection with the teacher, that wouldn't have happened. So kind of mix of both. I mean, that's interesting. So some of your YouTube stuff, like you just mentioned, uh, got aired on ESPN, uh, Sunrise Sports. Like how quickly or kind of how disciplined was it building your brand to the point where like people were actually like setting you up with stuff like that? Um, I mean, that's it. Luckily, fortunately, that stuff actually happened like early on, but like, I never, I never thought about it as like a branding thing. Like right. the ESPN thing happened like, like in 2014 or 2015. Some, actually, I, I might be wrong with the years, but something like really early, same with like NBC sports. They did something like I did an interview, like a race player named Dan Johnson and they used yep. it. Um, probably like other outlets too. Um, so that stuff actually happened early, which I was, is surprising to be honest. Um, like I just never thought of it like that until later on. I'm like, Oh, I can, that's good stuff to say in a resume format or website yeah. format portfolio. But yeah, so that's stuff that, like that happened early. It's starting to like get an interview request too. Um, I try to do a combo, like reach out to people, but then like just by doing it over time, like people reach out to you. So like that's happens and stuff. So yeah, reach out to the ones that you want to be interviewed by. Right. Definitely. I reach out to Jack. I have no problem saying that. I, I love, I came across what Jack was doing. I'm like, he's an awesome dude. Like I love what he's doing. Some are age. I'm sure like, let's get connected. Let's do something. So, uh, I try to do that, but then like at the same time, I, um, you know, people reach out, which is awesome too. So I'm yeah. happy about that. How, so at, at our age, I know like we're constantly like critiquing everything that we're doing, but like at a young age, like getting your stuff on high profile networks like that uh, is definitely got to be encouraging. Like how do you, how did you keep yourself like motivated in the sense it's just like, okay, you can't get too like heavy headed here. You still have to like, uh, obviously grind it out. Like what did you always like tell yourself growing up, uh, to keep yourself like, okay, like this is cool, but like I can do way better. Like it could be way yeah. better than this. Totally. I mean, like, it's just, I know there's like a next goal I'm trying to do. Like, yeah. I was trying to build the portfolio in high school to hopefully find a good college where I figured I could learn more once I'm in high or in college, I'm like, I'm trying to get a job doing something like with a network or like a company so I can say I'm with this company and then right now like I told you even though I'm with Nesson I'm still working really hard to try and get any opportunity I can 
in the interviewing on camera space with them. Cause like I said, my job's more behind the scenes, same in entertainment. I'm getting a lot of really cool opportunities but right now. I don't have quite the, and I'm, this is new to thinking about it like this, but like, I don't have the social media number. So, okay. What's my strategy now to grow the social media followers and then any opportunities that can come from having a brand online, whether that's monetizing it a little more or I don't know, like it's just anything. So like, there's always like a next goal I'm trying to pursue and that's how, and I just have fun with it too. Like it's really fun for me. So like, I think you said something about like not getting burnt out. Like it is a lot of work and I get tired, but like, this is like fun to do. So I don't know. I like it. I mean, it's a passion for sure. Yeah. It's a passion. So in that sense, you kind of mentioned it right there. What is your, uh, um, plan for building your social status? Cause like, it's a hard thing to do, man. Like, unless you're like an A-lister or you just like have a really good team behind you, it's very hard to build your brand, like build followers, get likes, retweets, et cetera. You know, like what's your uh, current plan in trying to do that to further build your brand? Totally. Well, it starts with the people I'm targeting. Um, I know some people, you know, are into social media and that TikTok world. Some people aren't, I totally get it. If you're right. not. Um, but the reality of the situation is these kids, they get so much, I mean, I'm interested in their world. So it's, it's not like I'm just seeking it after for the numbers and stuff like that. Right. Um, but I am targeting these type of people and A-list type people. And just the nature of it is there's a lot of views. There's a lot of attention. There's a lot of maybe media press you get out of interviewing those type of people. But honestly, I wouldn't get with baseball players if I was just trying to interview baseball players on YouTube or like a podcast. Um, so that's like a strategy. I don't know. Like I'm talking to people that I, I know are, are going to get a lot of attention. Um, that's just the nature of the situation. just the reality of it. So it's unfortunate. Like I, you know, the funny thing is this is another side note, but like I worked with a social media creator that was like, I was helping him like create his YouTube videos and stuff. And we were talking about before this started about like Trevor Bauer, what he's doing on yeah. YouTube and stuff. And like one of the best pictures in major league baseball and the kid that I was working with that is just a 16 year old kid after like two videos, he has way more followers than what Trevor Bauer has now. And Trevor Bauer's put, has a lot of great content. He's been right. working so hard and the kids got more, more attention. And that's just, um, that's just the nature of what the situation is in this space. So I don't know. It's honestly the people I'm targeting and going out to LA next week, we're doing stuff at like, it's called the hype house, which is like a big mansion. It's like, all right. Um, Justin Bieber's old house actually. So like all these kids live there. So we're going there and just all these other houses where these people live and there's a lot of tension right now. So that's yeah. So how, how many of those interviews that you've done, uh, whether it was like, uh, the, uh, Charlie DM Melia, I don't even know if that's her name. Like, I don't even watch TikTok. So it's like, I'm like, I'm like a 60 year old trapped in a 20 year old's body. But like for interviews like that, like big A-list names like that, who have built their brands, have you had like a lot of interviews where it's like, okay, I don't necessarily know what you do, but I can research the hell out of it and make it sound like I do. It's a lot because it's like that with the social media creators. Um, yeah. It's, it's, I've been trying to learn this world like for the last like couple of years, yeah. really TikTok's been brand new and learning like who these people are and stuff. Cause I really didn't know uh, beforehand. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just been different, dude. Like, I don't know. You just, 
it's just been a lot of different attention. Like when I interviewed Charlie, um, I mean, it's like featured in like different like articles. It's a clip on TikTok. It's got a million plus views. Someone just tagged me in something that they took like a clip of the interview from Charlie. I didn't even see it. And they like reposted on like a fan page and it's got like 300,000 views. I'm like, yo, like that's crazy exposure. Like people see your face. Like I just, I don't know. It's just been different in that sense because a lot of people see it, see your face and see your name and stuff. So it's been cool in that sense. So when you're doing these interviews, obviously on screen, like everybody's all smiles for the most part. Every now and then you get that one jerk. I think we've all had that. Uh, but how, how do you kind of like calm your, your guests, kind of like make it seem like, okay, this guy's chill, like this is going to be easy. And, uh, the, and how do you kind of build off of those relationships afterwards? Because that, that's not an easy thing to do either. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, definitely like the, you know, the icebreaker, your small talk right before you do the interview, yeah. anything you can. I feel like I'm like a pretty like laid back guy. That's my personality. So like it's easy to connect with people in that sense. And I just try to find any like mutual connection we have. Luckily, I feel like over the years that's been built up more than say when I started off. But if I know they know, I know someone that they know, I mentioned that. So, okay. Oh, he knows my friend and like he's done this type of stuff before. So I always look for whatever the mutual connection is. And then, yeah, just staying in touch. Social media is a big part. Uh, I try to always wish happy birthday. If I know it's their birthday, I, if I see them like accomplish something, uh, I always try to congratulate them. Yeah. Um, even like a player, like we're talking about baseball earlier. Like I just saw a minor league player that I knew that like he just retired. Now he's going to like real estate. I just congratulate him on that. It doesn't have to be just because he's a professional athlete. I don't know. Like just try to keep those relationships and never know where it could take you. But yeah, it's a definitely, that's a tough part too. Just trying to maintain them. Especially if you meet a lot of people over the years, it's like, okay, just trying to keep in touch any way you can. It's funny because like you'd spend all that time uh, gaining research and gaining information for the interview. Like you also have to prep to like greet them, like have, yeah. have a few talking points. Like if you don't know what you're going to say, you know? Holy yeah. Like I said, the icebreaker, bro, it's huge. Like, I don't know, because it'll help with the interview, too. Like, you already started talking a little bit, and then it can just kind of flow once you need to actually press record. So, yeah. Who, who is your favorite guest? I don't want to say, like, your favorite guest. I mean, I guess you could say that. Your favorite guest, but at the same time, like, one of your more, like, chill guests where you're like, oh, this was really easy. They were really nice. Um, chill guest. I always, like, uh, I did an interview with, like, He's not a big name guy, but like DJ Augustine of the Orlando Magic. He's just oh, like yeah. a super chill dude. And like, he wants to be a broadcaster after he's done playing, which is probably like a couple years. <laughs> but um, we did like a video, it's on my YouTube channel too, like uh, talking about he did like a broadcasting camp in the offseason. And then like, uh, he hit a game winning shot in the playoffs the year before against the Raptors in game one. And I was like, I talked to him beforehand. I'm like, hey, uh, I got your game winning shot on my phone. Do you want to uh, yeah. call it? Do you want to call your game-winning shot? And he's, he's so chill about it. And it was the last question. They made for like a really good like social media clip at the end that you can post on Twitter, Instagram. Just a good like last moment. Uh, pretty unique. So I don't know. I always like that interview. And he's just a really cool dude, DJ Augustine. So it's not always like the biggest name dude. It's just right. like, like that. It's so. usually not the biggest name person. Yeah. That's one of the coolest guests, right? especially in the sports world. Like you'll get a guy in like minor league ball or like someone who's just stuck in the bullpen one day, who's like the biggest jokester on the team. And you actually have like a great conversation 
about whatever. Yeah. And, and you walk away from it like, man, I'm glad I did that interview. It's like, I didn't necessarily want this interview going in, but like walking out, I'm like, this was awesome. Yeah. There's like a lot, especially like minor league baseball. It's like 90% yeah. all the dudes are awesome. Uh, David Carpenter was a really, he's a former major league pitcher with like the Braves and yeah. actors and stuff. He's with the Reds now. Uh, we had him in indie ball for like a couple of years, like the most polite dude. Like he would like, I mean, this is like a guy that was pitching in the playoffs and he would be like, Hey, I'm going, Hey Tyler, I'm heading to the club. Do you want anything? You want any drinks or food or anything? I'm good. But like, dude, thank you. Like, I don't know. He was just like super polite. I always remember. So, but there's like a lot of guys like that, especially in the sports world. So I have a lot of good experience. Like they're all real chill. On the other side of that, were there any really bad ones? Yes, but I don't want to say any names, but I do have one. I won't say any names, but one dude that cursed me out. Uh, this is when I'm like in ninth and 10th grade or like 10th grade. And uh, I don't know, maybe I might've had a bad day, something like that. Um, but he like, yeah, he cursed me out. And the weird thing is he was, uh, let's just say I knew, I knew him the year prior. Uh, I had, uh, I don't want to say too much, but like I knew him a little bit. So it wasn't like my first time meeting the dude. And he was uh, coming back to Bridgeport uh, the next year with a different team and didn't have not have a great experience, which I was really shocked about. But yeah, it stands out. So other than that, I, I, for the most part, people have been cool. That, that's kind of been my experience. Like for the most part, like there's some people that are cool and it's like, oh, they were really cool. And then there's like people that were like really cool that make the cool people seem like they were jerks. But like yeah. I, was, I was telling uh, Kevin Larney last week, uh, uh, I reached out to Huey Lewis from Huey Lewis and the News. Okay, yeah, yeah. It's like when I first started, like two years ago, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just DMing people left and right. Right. And he was just like, fuck off, kid. And I was like, oh, wow. Like that, that was like the first real like wow. <laughs> big no I've gotten. Like there's been some publicists that were like, oh, I regret to inform you. Like we're going to have to pass or whatever. Yeah, but like that, that was literally that's like terrible. F off, kid. Like yeah. who the hell do you think yeah, That's terrible, dude. That's so. Huey Lewis and the News, man. Yeah, I mean, that's super rare to get, but I think if you do this long enough, you get one of those type of stories. Hopefully, you only get one of those type of stories, but yeah. <laughs> so, so, so fast forward after school, uh, everything that you've done to this point, like we've mentioned, getting your start when you were, again, freshman in high school, 15, 16 years old, working mm -hmm. in, in the Atlantic League, and then uh, getting a ton of cool opportunities uh, at school at Full Sail. You actually talked... Uh, what was it? The Atlanta Gen Z. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, how'd that go? Like that, that's gotta be like, like you want me to talk to all of these people? Like what was the setup there? Uh, yeah, that was like, um, I wouldn't have got that opportunity if I wasn't doing like entertainment stuff. So that's why they had me like speak about like social media and stuff like this. Like, um, how to make connections, how to build your brand and stuff. Oh, that's so funny you brought that up. Um, I don't know. They just reached out to me like, um, do want to speak at this event in Elena? So I was like, and be like a talent. I don't know. I don't know. Like, cause we did like a meet and greet thing after too. Um, <laughs> so whatever, like a talent speak. I don't know. Whatever. I'm a celebrity meet and greet with the well, dude, cause I went there and it was like, I was like, I don't deserve to be with like these type of people because like one of the girls, I, she's like really young kid, but like uh, the girl that played like Morgan Stark in Avengers Endgame. Uh, she was like one of the talents for it too. And it was like a couple weeks after Endgame just came out, the event. So she was like, that was peak popularity. And like, we're on the same like talent. I'm like, what am I doing here? I don't know. 
but yeah, I did that and that was cool. Um, so I had fun doing that. I don't know. I like, <laughs> yeah. What were some of the questions people asked you? Was it, were some of those questions pretty complicated to the point where you kind of just had like BS your way through it? Or did you know what you were doing when you were going into it? Uh, no, I knew what I was doing. I, I mean, yeah. it's just like, it's the same type of stuff, talking about branding, talking about making connections. And then just over time now, it's, well, I don't know what happened like a year or two ago. So obviously I have more experiences to talk about now. But I like I said, I've been doing it for a while, so I had stuff to talk about, so that wasn't an issue. But it was cool to like speak about stuff like that. Like you kind of look like like an expert or something. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I I don't think I'd done something like that before. I did. I did a speaking appearance. This is another side note, and like I don't want to drive your audience crazy, but I did like background work for Stranger Things briefly, yeah. and I did a speaking appearance at Tampa Bay Comic Con to talk about Stranger Things. Um, so that was like my first ever speaking appearance, but the Gen Z event in Atlanta was like my first about something that's more probably my career path. Yeah. So was it through those interviews with um, bigger celebrities, like you said, on the entertainment side that kind of got your foot in the door for some of those uh, background uh, opportunities, whether it was for Stranger Things or what was the other one, Atlanta? Uh, yeah, Atlanta on FX. Um, oh, not, not for, no, that... My interviews had nothing to do with like getting those type of like background work. That was just me pursuing. That was like a whole nother avenue. Totally of, different project. Totally different thing. Um, I was trying to combine it a little bit because like since I was starting to do entertainment interviews um, and, and I was interviewing like kind of like people from Stranger Things, like recurring characters, not the mean guys. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to get some fan, fans in the entertainment world, kind of make, make a name for myself in that space. Like how do I stand out in that field of work? Well, if I'm interviewing people from Stranger Things and I'm actually on Stranger Things, that makes me pretty unique. So yeah. I kind of just figure out a process to get on that show. Um, but as far as like the Gen Z event with Atlanta, that was all because of like what I do on YouTube. Um, yeah, the acting stuff had nothing to do with like my YouTube interviews. That was just like... So did, did you actually want to pursue acting or was it no, more along no, the it's literally like, just like... like an, it would separate you to get to make myself stand down the entertainment industry like i can always say i was on like a show like stranger things i was involved with that and i kind of just try to milk those opportunities to be honest that's why i uh i reached out to tampa bay comic-con i'm like hey let's do it let's do a panel about um you know stranger things was big obviously uh like yeah. i'm a background actor on the show i can talk about my different experiences let's let's do a talk so they they agreed so and then i don't know like it's just a good uh, topic point. I don't know. Like when people find that out, they're just like, they just want to talk about that because it's a popular show. So I kind of just did it for like strategic, strategic purposes for this field of work. Um, I don't want to get into acting. I get very smart on your end to do something like that. Like I'm sure that wasn't just like point A to point B. All right. In order to get this, I'm going to be a background actor on strength yeah, you were like the number one show on netflix a few years ago if not now i, I mean I, I watched the first three seasons and then i stopped because uh, i'm just bad at tv shows <laughs> or finish them but how was that whole experience for you getting set up with that like who'd you reach out to how quick was it where it's like yeah we need a few extra bodies um it was a wild process because um i did like a did a small like indie project when like my senior year of high school. That was just for fun. I wasn't really thinking necessarily for Stranger Things. Um, but then I, when I did my first like 
big show Atlanta on FX. The experience before that small indie set helped me get the FX show in Atlanta. Big show, but not as popular as like a Stranger Things. Yeah. And then I figure once I was doing these entertainment stuff, I'm like, I could probably being on Atlanta will help me get like a big show like Stranger Things. And I started finding out who the casting director people were. And Stranger Things was really only looking for like, I don't want to call them professional background actors, but like people that have been like uh, on sets before, not like a fan. So they wanted people with experience. Um, And then once I found out who the casting people were for Stranger Things, uh, it was like a four month process with like these different rounds and stuff. You have to like send headshots and like provide info. And then they ask like questions and stuff. So it took like four months to get Stranger Things. Uh, Once I got casted, I went down for like a week in uh, Atlanta or up, Atlanta was up north uh, to Atlanta um, and did that for a week. Um, they actually wanted me to do a little more, but like I just couldn't commit to that because I actually missed a couple days of school at Full Sail to do it. Um, but yeah, it was a great experience. So like, I'm really happy I did it. It was like super fun. I mean, dude, like number one show on Netflix, you're going to look back on that and be like, yeah, like dad was a, was an extra on, on stranger things. Was it a yeah. disciplined set? Like in between um, takes? Yeah, dude, the sets are awesome, bro. Like, um, I think you said you saw season three. So it was the Starcourt mall that I was oh, yeah, at, yeah, yeah. like literally 12 hours a day for like a week, but it was so sick. How It was like, it's a really dead mall in uh, Atlanta area. And they like renovated the food court to make it all like 80s and stuff. And it looks so sick, dude. Like, it, yeah, it was just awesome. So, and then, yeah, I, you meet the cast and stuff like in between takes and stuff. Um, it just happens because we're all there in the same area and you do the same scene like 12 times and uh, stuff like that. But yeah, man, it was, it was just awesome. I'm so glad it was at the Starcourt Mall. It was such a sick place to like yeah. extra work for. So, yeah. Oh, cool. that's wicked cool, dude. So, like, I that was probably going to be my big thing, like, with food. Like, they kept you guys fed, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Long, yeah, they take care of everything. Yeah, yeah like, early awesome fall food. times, long shifts. Like, I know, like, you guys are extra, so it's like, who cares what you guys eat, but... but no, they're great. They're yeah. great. I think uh, definitely Netflix had, like, a bigger budget than, like, compared to, like... Actually, Atlanta was pretty good, too. But, like, yeah. when I did that, like, quick indie project, um, they had, like, nothing in that indie project. And then, like... Stranger Things, obviously Netflix is providing everything. So like they catered everything. You got breakfast, lunch, dinner, like you got everything you need. Like there's, there's no complaints. It was just, it was an awesome experience. So for sure. So I don't want to, keep you for too long like i could ramble for like four hours i can yeah, no worries like that's my goal you can always do this again another time yeah i probably got like five more minutes i gotta I gotta head to work soon dude so big <laughs> man all right big man here's here's what i'll leave with uh two things last thing um what's your dream interview so like whether it's athlete musician uh actor actress for me dave Grohl from the foo fighters that's my that's my <laughs> that, that would be sick dude that guy is awesome I hope you get like that. Conversation. One of my idols in my house. Who who who's like your biggest idol that you'd want to interview? Um, I'm gonna give you a couple because I can't think of just <laughs> one right now. <laughs> um, so like in the sports world, because like I'm a Boston guy, like just growing up, like Dustin Bajoya was like one of my favorite players. So like to ever interview him would just be like a dream because I like had his poster when I'm younger. Yeah. So that's just like a dream goal. Same like a big poppy, David Ortiz would be like amazing um and then like in the entertainment world um 
like David Dobrik, who's like a YouTuber. He's like yeah. someone I really like a lot. Um, obviously, like anyone big, like like a Leonardo DiCaprio would be sick, like a Tom Cruise. And then like a kind of a random one, uh, which is funny because I've, I've met him a couple of times and uh, actually interviewed at his company, but like Gary Vaynerchuk, like I always love oh, Gary. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, like to sit down with Gary would be a really cool experience. So he's someone I would love to do something with. So kind of all over, but oh, yeah. yeah, those type of people. And those, all those guys are chill. Like they gotta be like, they're at the top of their game. Like DiCaprio seems like the nicest guy in the world. And, and Gary V like just preaches like happiness above everything. So like, <laughs> yeah. he's one of the nicest guys out there. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Cause I know you got to get to work. I've yeah. uh, given everything that you've experienced, everything that you've done, whether it was success, failures, for people wanting to uh, get into the industry, people breaking into college, or whether it's that someone getting their first opportunity like you did when you were 15 years old, what type of advice would you give them, whether it's just like uh, make sure like you enjoy moments, slow things down, uh, really sell yourself? Like, What's the one thing that you've learned that you would want to apply to younger students trying to break into what we want to do? Yeah, I mean, I always just say you just got to just start creating when you're young. Like, it doesn't matter how big name the people are. You just want to get in the rhythm and the habit of figuring out what the process is like to actually make these things happen. Once you understand that and realize that's probably the real work, then uh, I think that just sets you up so well moving forward. Um, and just getting the habit of doing interviews or being on camera, whether you stink now, like, it's fine. Like, you just you're doing it, which is already a big step that I think most people, um, I don't know, just wait and stuff. So like, right. even if it's at your high school and stuff, like, I don't know, I never had like a broadcasting club in like high school or anything like that. But if you do like do it for your high school team, stuff like that. Uh, that's what I always say to people. Like, just, I don't know, feel it out. If you like doing it, this type of work. And, you know, if you're passionate about it, you're going to learn what you want to learn at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, if you're passionate about it, you're just going to want to do it, like, in your free time. Like, yeah. you're always thinking about it. You're always thinking about what, what can I do with the next interview. Like, you're obviously doing it. Like, you've been doing a bunch of these interviews. I'm sure this is your free time. I'm sure you got a lot of other stuff you yeah. could probably be doing, and you have stuff to do. Like, it's just, I don't know, if you like it, you'll, you'll want to keep working towards it. So, that's what I... It's know. a big and day, man. It's election day. I got a lot on my plate. And yeah, I love you. <laughs> Absolutely. Go vote if you haven't already. No? Yeah. So stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, that's what I Bronsky, thanks so much, man. There's so much more I want to pick your brain about. We're definitely going to have to do this again. Anytime. No, we were on a timer today, but I'll definitely be reaching out again soon. I am so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's definitely going to break up with you. He's definitely going to break up with me. Should have used tick pick. Wait, what'd you say? Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.